one of the one of the maybe most awkward things that you've maybe had to do is uh, talk in public. But one of the other things that's sometimes difficult for us to do as Christians, especially, and, and maybe you've experienced this before, is when someone asks you to pray, and you're kind of in mixed company. And uh, just to start us off today, I'm going to have us watch a quick video. It's not a deep theological video by any means, but it gets across a point. And uh, what is prayer? What isn't it? And what is our perspective on uh, when someone else prays or when we pray to the Father? When we pray, what is it that's most important? So we're going to watch a little clip. Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg, it's Jewish dad. You know. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace in many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the Smorgasbord, you have so aptly lain at our table this day, and each day, by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. How do you like to meet the, the folks in law that way? And you realize there's a, there's a question that comes with that, and that is, how are we to pray? So someone asks you to pray, and you're thinking to yourself, how do you guys pray? Because I'll pray the way you pray. And so then, then I won't offend you, and I won't make you feel awkward, and, and that sort of thing. So as we look at one of our foundations of the Christian walk, and as we're doing our um, series, and we're putting down, putting down the foundations of what it is to have a relationship with God. And as our foundations are building up, and we're realizing that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who lays the foundation for us. We also realize that our connection with God is absolutely essential. And prayer is one of the main ways that we connect with God. It's a way that we get direction. We uh, access the power that God actually has in our lives as we are uh, his servants and doing his purposes uh, in, our, in the way that we live our lives. If we were to kind of think through prayer in a sense of what is prayer for and how do I grow in my relationship with God and having this conversation and any relationship that you've probably ever had involved conversation and getting to know that other person, where are you from, where did you grow up, uh, how many, how many, you know, maybe how many siblings you have and that sort of thing. 
In the same way, as we enter into a relationship with God and we accept, uh, we, we accept this free gift of this free, gracious gift that God gives us, uh, really, truly salvation from not only our sins, but also salvation from our old way of life and allowing ourselves to come to know God in a way that we couldn't before because we had no access to him. And so I often think sometimes of, of the prayers that I, that I actually uh, prayed to God before I was a believer. Have you ever thought about that before? Just like, and a lot of people pray, I'll pray to God, and, and they don't actually have a relationship with him. And the reason why they don't have a relationship with him, and for 19 years, I, we, we prayed every single meal. We prayed every single Sunday. We were at church 52 times a year unless there was a big snowstorm. That's how it kind of worked. And you ask yourself, what was that prayer for? And and not having a true relationship with God because I had no access to the Father in lots of ways. Yes, he was trying to, he obviously was working and working on my, my heart and allowing me to come to know him in a certain way before I would commit to him. But truly, from a, from a theological perspective, I really didn't know God in the way that someone knows their own father. I was I was kind of apart from him because of my sin. And as soon as God's grace through Christ and his, uh, his redemption as he died on the cross for my sins came, there became a different relationship that then began at that point in time. Now my prayers are of one who is a son approaching their father, not as someone who, who is, has offended God and who is living apart from God, but someone who actually knows who their father is. That prayer is much different than someone who doesn't know God. And so our relationship with God grows not only uh, in, the, in the way that we have this constant conversation with God, but also the fact that now he has removed every barrier from us. There is nothing that keeps me from coming to the Father. And because of that, my understanding of who God is deepens. When I came to know Christ at 19, and, and I, I prayed to receive his son to not only pay for my sins, to be, but to help direct my life, at that point in time, there was like a wire that was connected to me in the sense of my communication with him. And at that point in time, I was able to actually discern much more of his will. As I read his word, I understood more of that. And, and this prayer conversation began in a very, very different way than it did beforehand. And before it was kind of this God way out there. And now it was a God that was right there, close to me and kind of sitting beside me in that way. And so prayer is really important in that way. And for us to understand that the most important thing that we can do is actually have that relationship with God. So I, for those of you who have never, ever made that commitment to, to be one of God's children, to receive Christ as your Savior and as the one who helps you to, and guides you as you go through life and empowers you, that's the very first step. Along with that comes this prayer life that just opens up to us as we know the Father in a completely different way. One of the most probably telling things about a Christian is whether they pray or not. And if someone was to say, I'm just not really a person who prays, you would have to ask yourself the question, how can you know the Father? How can you get direction from the Father? Where do you go when, when life pounds you down or you have questions you can't answer or problems you can't solve? 
because God has designed us to be dependent upon him. And it's worship to actually lay our request before him. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that we're not God, that we don't sit on the stool or the throne of our own life, that he does. And so one of our, one of our key things that we have to really re- reckon with is this. Does God really listen? Okay, so how many people on planet Earth right now? Give me an estimate. You don't have to be, I don't know, safety factor of 30%. What is, what's, the recent, what's the recent numbers? What? I heard 5 billion. I heard 7 billion. Does anybody go higher? Seven billion. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> Pastor tries. Seven billion and one. We're bidding. So if there are seven billion people on planet Earth, if there are seven billion people on planet Earth, and they're all praying at the same time, have you ever heard, you're, the lines are all full. Have you ever heard that? Like, oh, you're going to, your expected wait time is 35 minutes or whatever it is. How does God handle seven potential billion people? Let's just say out of, the, out of that, say a half a million Christians are praying at the same time. How does God handle that? Do you actually believe that when you pray that God listens? I want you to vote on this one. Raise your right hand right now if you believe he listens when you pray. Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you would be probably foolish to pray. But if you did raise your hand, for you not to pray is to really accept the fact that you don't think God's going to do something about it when he listens. And so, does God listen is the first question. And that's a definitively yes. Then the second question is, does God act? Does he act on what we say to him? Now, not always is it a request. A lot of our prayer life is really just exalting him. It's magnifying him. It's part of worship. That's why when we get together and we're here this morning, we not only sing, but we also do what together? We pray together, and we pray as a unified body, and so there's this component of prayer that is part of worship. It's how we worship him. It's what we do as we come to him and tell him who he is, and in doing so, that gives him that honor and and what he he should have. So the question is, what is prayer? So you saw an example of, I don't know if that was actually prayer or not. I don't know the example of it. And on the video, it was kind of an awkward prayer. And there was a lot of eyebrows raised and eyes kind of looking at each other. But what is prayer? If you don't say something, can it be prayer? I see a lot of nodding. If you speak in some of the language other than English, is it prayer? Okay, then the first question is answered already because there are, there are languages that we have no idea about. In fact, it says that in God's Word, obviously the Holy Spirit he interprets things and He allows us to, to just, they're just literally just this interpretation of our prayer. Sometimes we start, we start saying something and half mid, mid-sentence way through, you know, our English teacher would have a fit with our prayers. But we just, we just say, oh God, I, I don't even know what to pray. I I'm stuck right here, and God hears that, and he says, I know exactly what you're thinking right now. We don't even have to say it. Sometimes a child would come up to a mom, usually, or a father, and the parent knows exactly 
what the child wants. You moms are shaking your head. Yep, I got it, because I've been watching this whole thing, and here they come. And so prayer is really just our communication with God, but it's basically on this conversation that we have throughout our whole day. Not just, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It has more to do with the walk that we have as we go throughout our day and as we're acknowledging him on, on a constant basis. So what is the proper way to pray? What is the proper way to pray? So a lot of people would be like, well, there's one way to pray, and this is how we do it, and, and that may be okay. There's at least it's, it's, it's something to kind of go by, but, but is it best to pray standing up or sitting? What do you think? Standing up. How, about, how many of you stand to pray? Some of you might. Some of you might walk while you're praying. We've done walkabouts before. How about kneeling? Oh, we did a lot of that. Yeah, Mitch, kneeling. Sometimes we'll kneel to pray. You know why we kneel to pray? It could be for lots of reasons. To honor him, to get into a position that shows uh, just that we are his servants. It may be to keep ourselves awake and alert while we're praying because that will, that will help you for sure. Or possibly bowing down in that way. Where's the proper pr place to pray? When? Is it in the morning, in the evening? How do we pray? What, what is exactly that we say when we pray? Those are questions. I had all of these questions when I came to be a, a Christian. I didn't know anything about prayer. I actually just thought, boy, I, I just hope someone doesn't ask me to pray in front of them because I would be very uncomfortable. And if you're in that same boat, or if you have ever wondered, is there a proper way to pray? Let's just roll this out. The disciples, at least, at least as, as recorded in Scripture, never asked Jesus how to calm a storm they never asked him how he walked on water that we know of. They never asked him how you, how you feed 5,000 people when you don't have any food. They never asked him how he told such great stories that had so much impact on him. But they did ask one question that is recorded for us in Scripture. And we look at it not only in Luke, but also, also in Matthew 6. They asked him how to pray. Like, Jesus how do we pray? What does it look like? How, how do I have this interaction that we see you have with the Father? And instead of giving them a sermon, you know what he did? He, he literally just prayed for them as an example. Luke 11, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, and here's just his, his prayer, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, you might look at that in the NIV or the ESV or any kind of version, and you'll find something that's very similar. Now, here's what's important. The actual words are not as important as what's behind the words. In the order, and some of them leave out and lead us not in temptation or, and from evil, keep us from evil. There's different variations of this. But what Jesus was doing here was giving us a pattern for prayer. It's the answer to, how should I pray? How, how should I come to this, this Father who's so holy and who deserves so much more praise and worship and exaltation than I could possibly possibly give them. And Jesus says, this is how you do it. 
when you look at this prayer, and many of you have done this before, so tomorrow morning, maybe you're going to do this just in a, in a new, fresh way. You're going you're gonna to pray to God. As you get up in the morning, you're going to say a simple prayer. And you may say it, it might take 60 seconds, or you could spend 10 or 15 minutes thinking about each kind of each part of this prayer. And as you look at the very first part, it says, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, what does hallowed be your name mean? Just what, what's that generally saying? Holy. Who said holy? I heard it. Somebody, oh, there, chance. Good job. Holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. You are holy. You are set apart. Father, you are so holy. And in heaven, they're holy, holy, holy. Three of them meaning that it's really, really important. And it's true. And so what we're saying is, is God, you are God and you're on the throne. And you are set apart. You are holy. Your kingdom come. That's praying for his kingdom to come. Not my kingdom, but his kingdom. God, you have all these purposes that you are coming, you're, you're bringing them about, and we can just see how you are sovereign in everything that you're doing. We're praying for his kingdom to come. We look forward to that kingdom. We look forward to when my brother who doesn't know Christ will come to know Christ. We look forward to a time when we will worship together, side by side, in a place that has no sin whatsoever. So your kingdom come. And we're also praying when we say kingdom come, we're praying for all those lost people who not only do we know but don't know about as we are allowing God to, to carry out his purposes but giving him the praise while doing it. Give us each day our daily bread. What is that asking for? Our needs. I'm not going to throw it to you because it's way too far. I'll kill the TV probably. Mike, you're right. Our needs. So I have needs and other people around me have needs. And so a lot of times in, in small group, even just this last week, um, we pray for each other. Whether it was Wednesday or Friday, whatever small group it was, there was a prayer for certain needs. And some of those prayers were for the person individually who was going through something or has a need, but also was for the people who we also knew. And so we were praying for them. Some really neat prayer requests were answered just, just even this week, and it was just amazing to hear. Praying for them on, on Wednesday, and then amazingly got this phone call. It's like, th that prayer request was not only answered, but it was more than what we asked. And you just realize you can see and it builds your faith as you recognize that God is meeting our needs and not only our needs, but those around us as well. So it's about praying for ourselves, but also praying for others as we do, as we bring those requests to God. So give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for as we forgive, as we forgive other people. And there's this idea here that, that we come before Christ and we realize that we have been given, forgiven so much. We have been forgiven so much that what we ought to do and what we're commanded to do is to forgive others. And so there's a, there's a bowing and recognizing our sin and, and a, in, a, in a way that allows us to receive healing from the Father and keeping that slate clean between he who is holy and us, who obviously we need cleansing on a regular basis, not because our sins haven't been paid for, but because that sin affects us and we need to acknowledge it on a regular basis. We ourselves free, oh, everyone who's indebted us, and lead us not in temptation. That is a prayer for us to stay out of. And as Jesus, as Jesus prayed too, 
to protect us from the evil one, from protect us from the world, protect us kind of sometimes from ourselves, some of the things that we were there. So there's the Lord's Prayer. And what it is is a, a pattern. So if you were to just to take that prayer as a pattern, hallowing his name, praying for his kingdom to come, realizing that not only his kingdom come, but also we have needs, and we're praying for others, and that we're praying for protection and guidance and wisdom as we go out, well, that's a great way to pray. Why is it a great way to pray? Because I said so? No, because what did Jesus say? This is how you were to pray. And it doesn't matter. You can pray in other ways, but this is a way that Jesus taught his, his men and his uh, people to pray. And what is prayer? Well, sometimes you can realize that people, some people are really elegant prayers. They, when you hear them pray, you're like, man, that should be in a book somewhere. You should be like an author of some sort. And then uh, some of us are more like, you know, you kind of stutter through it. And you, maybe you kind of, you're, you're rabbit trailing through. You're, have you ever had that when you're praying? And pretty soon you're kind of out here and then you're over here. And all praying, but you're just kind of all over the place. And you're thinking, man, I need to pray better. And the reality is this. It's just a conversation. And if you were to listen to the conversations that happen in our church, and there are a lot of them, you can hardly get people to kind of come back in at some time, you realize that there are rabbit trails everywhere. everywhere. And that relationship allows for that because it, it is this relationship that we have with God that allows us to just talk with him, just to have a conversation with him. I never, ever thought I could just talk to God because I always thought he was way out there. And then after coming to the Lord and having some understanding of what Scripture is saying is that we have a, a, a very hallowed view of God, but at the same time, it's a very near view that he's right there beside us as we walk along, as we're sitting there praying. But number two is really, really, really important. It is so important. If it wasn't important 50 years ago, it is certainly important right now. Have you ever been distracted while you were praying? Have you ever been distracted because as you were going to go pray or have a, a devotional time, you got distracted with something else? And the reality is that, of that is this. Today, there are so many distractions. And so one of the keys to how to, how to pray is really to how to cut the distractions out. Because the prayer part of it is sometimes much easier than actually just getting away and having a distraction-free time to spend with the Lord. And simply praying with our own words and not using someone else's pretty words. I think of Max Licato. That man has a golden tongue. It just, when he says something, it's just so eloquent. And you think to yourself, wow, I bet, I, bet, I bet he could just pray like nobody else. And the reality is, is he does. But our words don't matter. It's what we're in, our intent is. And whether our English is not quite on or off or whether we stop halfway and, and we realize that we just, we just want to sit and listen for a while, it's still prayer. Jesus, in Mark 135, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. I want you to think of something right now. I'm going to give you 10 seconds for it. Where is your desolate place? Picture it. If you don't have one, I want you to think right now, where is my desolate place going to be? Because if you don't have one, it's very doubtful that you'll do what Jesus did, which is get away and spend time with the Father in a, in a place that you can actually have some uninterrupted conversation with him. 
Pursuing stillness in that desolate place is so important and is at the heart of prayer. So as Jesus, not only in Mark 135, but in Luke 6, 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. All night. Poured out his heart to God. And Jesus often did these things. He prayed constantly, but he would go for these extended periods of time. Whenever he had a big decision to make, or he knew there was kind of this big thing going on that was going to be a challenge. And so you always see this pattern of him going to the Father, getting into the still place, desolate place, and spending some extended time with him, getting away with him in that way. And then in Mark 6, 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. What was he doing? Why did he go up on the mountain? What preceded him going up on the mountain? He was maxed out. Who said that? Oh, Jake. Wow. Okay. This could go just about anywhere. Don't dive over the... Whoa, that did not go anywhere. I owe you one. <laughs> the arm isn't what it's supposed to be. I should have had Quentin throw it. All right. So he was maxed out. Have you ever been maxed out? You're like, I have had a day like you can't believe. And sometimes your, your, your first thought is, I need the remote control. Where is the remote control? I'm just going to get in my recliner. I'm maxed out. What did Jesus do? He went out to spend time with his father. I've been working on a, one of our cars, and so um, I just thought of this. I just want to pre-screen it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so I got a Buick Regal, nothing against GMs, but you thinking my daughter asked me the question yesterday, why don't you just bring that thing to the mechanic? <laughs> Morgan, I said, the problem is the starter <laughs> which, of course, you can't bring it to the mechanic unless it, what? Starts. And so I'm just like, man, this thing is... So I've learned a lot about starters, and I knew something about them, but now I know a whole bunch more, and it's not good. So here's how it works. Okay, Jesus got a way to plug himself back in after being drained. It turns out that a starter always has power going to it. It's constant. Even if the ignition's off, the starter still got, got a juice to it, and it's got this thick wire to it. But when you turn the ignition, there's relays and other things, but in simplicity, when you turn the ignition, what you do is turn on a little bit of little bitty, bitty wire that then makes the big wire active, and it gives power to the starter. And then when you let off, it quits, but there's still power there available to the starter at all times. Prayer is a lot like a starter. There is always power to it, but you have to hit the ignition switch to activate it. Does that make sense? Come and fix my starter if you know how that makes sense, okay? No, no, no. You realize that at all times, doesn't matter in the middle of the night, doesn't matter if it's early in the morning, you're never going to wake up God. You will never wake him up. Middle of the night, that power is there at any point in time. And when that power is there, all he's waiting for us to do is to hit the ignition switch and to allow us to be re-energized as Jesus was when he got away after being maxed out, in Jake's words. He was maxed out like he was depleted and he needed power. That's the power of prayer 
and we recognize that as being so much just available to us. We, we have that at all times. You don't have to run to the church, get the key, come over here and sit down and pray. You can pray wherever you are, wherever you are. You access that power that God has there to not only repower you, but also to bring his guidance and direction in situations that are, that are in front of you. Matthew 6 has a parallel passage with Luke 11. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for the, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. What's the truth right here? What's true about prayer? Does it matter what you say? Not really. You can mess it up, and, and your father already knows what's on your heart. That's the neat thing about this father who knows you so, so well. It is that he has this relationship with you, that just the fact that you're coming to him turns the ignition key. It accesses that power, which is really, really neat because you can just be completely at the end of yourself going, I don't know what to pray for, God. I don't know if this is your will or that's your will. I don't even know what's going on here. And that's hitting the ignition switch. And prayers are just heartfelt conversations that you have with your father. And just like the tax collector who, who just was like, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. And I don't know what fancy prayer it is that would make me unguilty, but here's what I'm going to do. God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. That's all he said. And you recognize, oh, that is what God expects from us is to have that conversation and just to acknowledge him. God, I don't know it. I don't know what's going on in the situation, but I, I need you. I need you to take over this way. What if you can't pray or if you don't know how to pray? Well, it really goes this way. I know. Okay. We're going we're gonna to do a quick video. And the video that we're going to do is, is a video that's pretty neat. It's, it's about someone who prays, who is, I was going to save time, but we're not going to do that because we have time. A person who prays, who doesn't necessarily know how to pray, but in the end, he just realizes it's just a relationship with the Father. And he talks about a girl named Grace, and this person is in heaven now. He's talking to God, which is actually Morgan Freeman. But in that conversation, he's talking about a girl named Grace who he once knew and who he was in love with. And now he just basically says to God, I want what's best for her. I want what she, she has and what you have for her. So let's watch that video. Bruce. Bruce. You have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know. I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. What do you want me to do? I want you to pray, son. Go ahead. Use them. Um, Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. How's that? Great. If you want to be Miss America. <laughs> now, come on. What do you really care about?
करता है So what if you don't know how to pray or how to say something? And the answer to that is really just this. You just open up to God as if he was right standing in front of you or sitting in, in front of you. And you pray like his child would as, as you come to him. The truth is, is that when we pray, and sometimes we don't even know what words to say, but when we're praying, and this happens a lot, I think, in a, even in families where there's a lot of chatter at the table and that sort of thing. And it's almost like that. Well, we're praying to the Father. Guess what Jesus is doing? Jesus is like, Dad, you heard that, didn't you? My, my son, my, my, my brother is praying this, or uh, Pastor Tri is praying this, and he's, he's reiterating and advocating for us. Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father, and he isn't just playing you know, he's not just off in his own world. He's actually interceding for us in that way. And not only is Jesus doing that, but as we find out, the Holy Spirit does as well. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our advocate. He's the one who says, hey, Dad, this is, this is one of mine. Can, can you listen in? And then John 14, and I will ask the Father, Jesus prays this, and he will give you another helper, capitalized Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And so we have this, when we're praying, we're not praying actually alone. We're, we have this, this supernatural power as we come to God with our requests and with our, with our worship, and the, the Son and the Holy Spirit are actually acting on our behalf and Jesus prays for us. We see in John 17, he prays for his men. He's not only his men, but those who will come after. He says, I do not ask for these only, not just his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that's us. And when we came to understand who Christ was and accepted his, his, his uh, free gift, we also became those who he prayed for and who he prays uh, on our behalf for, an advocate. What is intercessory prayer? I think I was a Christian for four or five years before I even knew what this word was. I heard it once in a while, intercessory prayer. And I'm thinking to myself, intercessory prayer? I wonder what that means. Like, it sounds like accessory and to me, but intercessory prayer. And what is it? On behalf of others. It's like praying for Mitch. Mitch, Lord, protect Mitch today as he, as he goes to work. It's when you get a text on your phone that says, prayer request from the Rock Church for so-and-so. Our whole prayer ministry, ministry, and if you're not plugged into that and, and getting that, I would highly recommend you do that. That is intercessory prayer at its very heartbeat. 
It is praying for one another, praying for another person. And not only did Jesus pray for us, but we also pray for one another. And we recognize that in Romans 8.34, it says, who is, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? He's not at the right-hand side of God. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? He is not only interceding for us, but we also intercede for one another. That is what intercessory prayer means. A lot of times we just, we, we just pray for other people and we realize that that's a part of being in connection with God because each one of us has this relationship, but we also have an interrelationship with one another. And this prayer in Luke 5, as we see it, is so important we recognize that God does do things in his, own, in, a, in his own timing. But one of the things that we recognize in Luke 5 is that it's just a pattern for us to follow through with. And so as we, as we get out of the Lord's Prayer, the next thing that Jesus does is he teaches his men to pray. He says this, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So Jesus teaches this men to pray, our Father who art in heaven. Immediately after that, he doesn't even break. He says this, I want you to approach the Father with shameless audacity. Even if in the middle of the night you think you're going to wake God up, I want you to petition him. I want you to go to him. I want you to actually lay your heart to him. He's, Jesus is actually giving us permission to wake, wake him up. Wake God up. So question, how does God answer prayer? Yes, no, and? <laughs> not maybe, but it is true. Okay, I can't say that that's not true because it could be a maybe. But usually it's what? It's wait. Who said wait? Jeannie, I think, said. I heard a voice. I don't know. Somewhere you guys share that if you need to. <laughs> yes, no, and wait. How many of your prayers were yes this last week? How many of them were no? And how many of them are you still waiting on? I would bet that you're still waiting on more than were answered yes or no. And the, the question that I have for you, are you going to be praying for them next week as well? Or are you going to drop it saying, oh, you know, God said no. We assume he says no when he doesn't immediately do some, something. But as we look at the Old Testament, you can see an example. And Daniel, you can see that there was a prayer request that was made, and 30 days later, an angel shows up and says, I, I know you put, God, God released me 30 days ago, but I, I was detained, and now I'm showing up. Will we wait for that to happen? Will we wait for God's perfect timing to align things the way that they're supposed to be so that we can see God has done those things, um, and he, he does it in his own way? Is it acceptable to pray the same thing more than once? Yes or no? Yes, I sure hope so. Because that is what he wants us to do as we persistently come to him and as we ask him for his guidance. And does prayer make the difference? When Hudson Taylor first went to China, he made the voyage on a sailing ship. As it neared the channel between the southern Malay, Malay Peninsula and the island of Sumatra, the missionary heard an urgent knock on his door. He opened it and there stood the captain of the ship. 
Mr. Taylor, he said, we have no wind. We are drifting towards an island where the people are heathen, and I fear they are cannibals. So they're going to basically going to get eaten. What can I do? Asked Taylor. Listen to what he says. I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. Now, I want you to recognize that these people who he was traveling on the ship with didn't know God, but they knew what? Who to go to. You, you have 8 to 15 or 25 people in your relational world who know you go to church, who know that you're a Christian, who know that you have a relationship with God. Who are they going to go to when the ship is starting to go the, a different direction. Don't dismiss this because what he has to say is it's just a great example. Taylor responded, All right, Captain, I will, but you must first set the sail. What does the set the sail mean? It means get the mass in the air, get everything going because. It's gonna, it's gonna, we're going to have wind. The captain was agitated and said, why, that's ridiculous. There's not even a slightest breeze of wind. Besides, the sailors will think I'm crazy. Has anyone ever thought you were crazy because you prayed before a meal? And a, you can kind of see it maybe. You're like, well, they're praying. Okay, it's a little uncomfortable, but that's what's going on here. Nevertheless, the captain finally agreed. And 45 minutes later, he returned and found the missionary still on his knees. You can stop praying now, said the captain. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. Whenever we pray, we need to be willing to set the sail. We need to be willing to take the action that accompanies that prayer. And we need to recognize that God, as we petition him day in and day out, is, is working on those things that we're doing as he's working on us, as he is changing us. C.S. Lewis in the movie Shadowlands, as he considered his wife's battle with cancer, said, I pray because I can't help myself. Just that's what he does. I pray because I am helpless. It is so important for us to recognize that we need to set sails. We need to be persistent in prayer, expecting that God will do in his will what he's going to do. And then again, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I want you to recognize that as you pray this week, and uh, boy, that's so important, just recognize that there's an enemy who does not want you to hit the ignition switch. He knows you have a relationship with God. That, that power, that wire is constantly hooked up. You have a starter that is ready to go. But he, as most, much as he can, will try to keep you from hitting the ignition switch. He will make you think it doesn't matter. He will think you've prayed that before. He will say, what, is, what does God care about me anyway? He will make you think all of those things because he's a what? He's the deceiver and a liar. And he will deceive you in thinking that you don't have power in prayer. And at the very foundation of how your relationship with God goes, he will cut off power to everything else that comes on top of this. Because Jesus is the cornerstone, but your power comes through what? Through prayer. 
through time with the Lord. And if he can do that, the rest of it doesn't matter. You're never going to outreach. You're never going to tell your neighbor about Christ if you're not praying about it first and having the energy. You're never going to have fellowship with other people. You'll find ways not to serve the Lord because you're not plugged into him and you're, you're basically maxed out, as Jacob said. All of the other things that are going to go on top of this, foundationally, prayer has to be there. It's your power source. It's our power source. But not only that, it's how God gives us guidance and a relationship that is supernatural. Psalm 29.2, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. It doesn't matter who's <laughs> the adversary says, go ahead and do it. Even in the face of, of, of opposition, we need to pray. In Psalm 31, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. There will be enemies. There will be distractions. There will be people who, who maybe discourage you from praying, make you feel less than thou. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. Let's watch our final video, and then we'll go ahead and pray. Let's do this. How are you going? Let's do this, man. Jordan. Pray for us, Hank. Really? Pray for us. What are we doing? Give him credit where credit is due. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. My prayer is that tomorrow morning, all of God's lines will be full. Why don't you pray with me? We'll pray thee, our Father. Stand. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.